Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Acts chapter 24, verse 24, and continue our look at how the Apostle Paul ended up spending two years in Roman custody at the port city of Caesarea. Now, you know what had happened at Jerusalem. There was this big riot. Paul ends up getting grabbed. There's assumptions made that he's a bad guy that they've been looking for. He's not. Uh, And so, through many little problems, uh, including death threats against the apostle, uh, he is transferred under heavy military guard from Jerusalem down to Caesarea on the coast. And this all happens within about two weeks of his arrival in country. And then uh, the, the prefect or the procurator of Judea says that he will take care of the case once he gets more information. But we know he drags his feet. And in the passage that we are resuming with today, we have some indication as to why he did that. So Acts chapter 24, verse 24. After some days, Felix, that's the prefect, came with his wife, Drusilla. That's his latest wife. She happens to be the baby sister of Herod Agrippa II, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. So this power couple, uh, they listen to Paul preach the gospel. Verse 24 describes that. As he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, and I have no doubt he also said, you need to repent and embrace Jesus as your Messiah. All of that caused Felix to become alarmed. And he said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. And he was not so much interested in the gospel, but rather interested in the fact that intelligence tells him that Paul arrived in country in accompaniment with people carrying a lot of funds to assist the poor believers in Jesus within Judea. And I speculated with you that I think we could probably say it was hundreds of thousands of dollars of buying power, perhaps even into the low millions of dollars that have been donated uh, from the last part of Saul's third missionary journey. And so Felix, who loves money is thinking that he might be able to get a bribe from the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Paul's associates to dismiss the charges against him. So verse 26, at that time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. Or, and so he sent for him often and conversed with him. So that is where we get an understanding he was dragging his feet, even though he had more than enough information to release the Apostle Paul. 
that there were not any real charges of merit against him. He could have released him at any moment. Uh, he keeps him in detainment there at the Praetorium Herodian Palace by the seashore in Caesarea for two years just because he hoped to get a bribe. Now, eventually, after two years, which brings us right around to the year 60, Felix crosses one too many lines, and he ends up getting recalled to Rome. And there we find out later that his very powerful brother, uh, manages to get him get him off completely. Uh, there's connections into uh, Emperor Nero. And so he will head back, but nothing will happen to him. Now, verse one, number, number two says, when two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. So that's sometime in the middle, I think, of 60. Now, Porcius... That's a nickname, probably, uh, his, uh, or at least a, a pet name that was given to him. It has to do with a pig. You are correct, if that's what you guessed. Uh, and the Roman people thought of pigs as cute. And so it was kind of a, an endearing title. Uh, so Porky Festus is the new prefect or the new procurator for the Romans in Judea. And the outgoing procurator decides that he is not going to dismiss the charges against Paul. And here's the reason why. It says, desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. He left him in detainment there at Caesarea uh, because they have been insisting throughout these last two years that Paul be returned to them so that they can execute him as a criminal against the sanctity, the holiness of the Temple Mount. Well, he's not going to let that happen to this Roman citizen, but he still keeps him on ice, so to speak. Which brings us then to chapter 25. Now, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul, that he summon him to Jerusalem. So here we are, soon as the new procurator arrives, and he goes up to Jerusalem to kind of uh, get acquainted with the local leadership, the Sanhedrin, the biggest thing they want to talk to him about is this case regarding Saul of Tarsus or Paul of Tarsus. And they want him brought back up to the city of Jerusalem to be put on trial again, not because they expect to get anywhere with the Roman administration, but because they want to finish something that they'd started earlier. You might remember that the reason Paul was spirited away in the middle of the night under heavy Roman guard 
was because 40 Jewish guys had sworn an oath to God that they would kill Paul whenever he was brought from the praetorium of the Antonia Tower into the northern temple courtyard on his way to the Sanhedrin chamber. They said they weren't going to eat or drink anything until they'd accomplished that. Now, you might, just curious, you might be wondering about what happened to those guys. It is highly unlikely that they dehydrated themselves to death uh, because there is a little loophole in the Jewish approach to oaths taken in the name of God that if it becomes impossible for you to carry it out, then you are relieved of that responsibility. Uh, And so it may be some of those same 40 guys that are hoping to do this next thing that is mentioned in verse 3, because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Now, they might have thought that they could do it on the road, but I would think that would be an unwise choice. That's too much uh, room to operate in. Uh, I'm thinking that they may have done or wanted to do exactly the same thing again. Wait until Paul was being brought from the Antonia Tower across the northern courtyard of the Gentiles uh, toward the chamber of the Sanhedrin. And then these assassins, probably members of what's called the Sicari, the curved knife assassins, would have approached the Roman entourage uh, with their knives underneath their clothing And as soon as they got close enough, they would have started stabbing everybody uh, and uh, pushing their way in to actually kill Paul himself. And it would have been a bloodbath because the Romans would have fought back. It would have been a mess. And it should tell you a little something about the Sicarii. The Sicarii were not freedom fighters, not really. Uh, They were terrorists against their own people trying to um, scare people into supporting them for independence. And so they would often target high-profile Jewish people uh, that were cooperating with the Romans uh, in order to terrorize uh, the population as a whole. So they wouldn't have been bothered a bit by taking out some uh, Jewish people in the northern court of the Gentiles if they could get read of Paul as well, because they see him as a threat. All right, so back to the text itself. Um, It says that Festus replied, remember he's up in Jerusalem, Paul is down at Caesarea. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go back there shortly. So he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me, And if there is anything wrong about the man, then let them bring charges against him. Uh, And after he'd stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea. So he kind of of short-circuited the plans of ambushing Paul in more Jewish territory. Uh, And then the next day, 
He took a seat on his tribunal and he ordered Paul to be brought. Uh, so now he's back down to Caesarea. Uh, he's at the Praetorium, which is the Herodian seaside palace, the official area at the front of the palace uh, complex. And uh, he sits on this official chair, probably in the meeting room uh, that you can still see uh, very clearly marked out in the ruins there. Uh, and uh, when Paul was brought into that room, when he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Now, what's the key one in this? It is that he supposedly brought a Gentile past the barrier into the Jewish-only area of the Temple Mount. And that's supposed to be a capital crime, automatic capital crime. And so these Jewish leaders are upholding the, the charge that Paul was in the process of being appropriately executed under that agreement when the tribune, the Roman tribune at Jerusalem, spirited him away. And so they were stopped from carrying out rightful justice, and they want that fixed. Now, verse 9. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor. So he is already thinking the same thing that Felix is thinking. It's a good idea to be on good terms with the Sanhedrin because they are powerful. They have friends at Rome. And so he decides he's going to make a request of the Apostle Paul. Remember, the, Paul is not a prisoner per se. He is a Roman citizen being investigated for charges against him by the Sanhedrin. Uh, he is definitely being held in chains with a Roman guard, but he has not yet been convicted of anything. So he has some rights, and that includes what is about to happen. So Festus said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? So here we go. He says, This is what we'll do, Paul. We'll go up to Jerusalem. We'll have your trial under me me looking at all of the facts and the figures and the evidence, and then I'll render my decision there in Jerusalem just to make the Sanhedrin happy. Verse 10. Probably because he is aware uh, of this continual uh, plot to assassinate him. Paul said, I am standing before Kaiser's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. So Paul seems to believe that Festus should already have enough information from the documents and the reports that he's already got on this situation to know that there's no reason for Paul to be found guilty of any of these charges. 
So to the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I don't seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to these charges, their charges against me, no one, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Every Roman citizen had the right to ask that their case be decided by the emperor himself. That's just one of the rules that they had. And so uh, it was infrequently, I think, uh, resorted to because if, uh, if you got before the emperor and it was found that you had been messing around with the rules and the procedures and things, uh, and you were in fact guilty of these things, uh, he might take something that could have been punished with a fine or with uh, banishment or something like that and turn it into a capital case uh, just because he's ticked off that you're wasting his time. That's the reality of it. And so Paul invokes it. The moment he spoke those words, Festus's hands were tied. Verse 12, Then Festus, when he had conferred with his council, so he talks with his fellow Roman administrators, he answered, To Kaiser you have appealed? To Kaiser you shall go. Now, the Caesar to whom he is going to be sent is Nero Caesar. Uh, he is barely 20 years old at this time when Paul appeals to him. He's been on the throne for about four years or so, something like that. Excuse me, I, I've got that wrong. He's in his early 20s. So he's barely been on the throne for six years. Uh, he was 16 uh, whenever he came uh, to the throne. The youngest Roman emperor up to this point. And uh, Paul is now going to be shipped off to wait his administrative um, hearing with the emperor. Now, as you can imagine, there is a lot of bureaucracy involved in that. As we will find out as we go farther into the story, once he does get to Rome, he waits for at least two years uh, for his hearing to come up. And it seems like uh, when the book of Acts is finished, it still hadn't happened, but it was close. Uh, so two years of paperwork and bureaucratic uh, runarounds uh, for him to get his appeal heard. But now Festus has a problem because Paul is correct. Festus already had enough information to suspect that Paul had been held inappropriately, that he had been held without good expectation of being found guilty of the charges. But because Festus was doing that little bit of playing around uh, politically, uh, Paul ends up making the appeal, and now Festus can't release him. He can't declare him innocent. That's impossible. 
because the appeal has already been made. But he has nothing to charge him with, not nothing substantive. And so he needs assistance in exactly how to fill out the paperwork to be sent to Rome. And maybe this is a good place to remind you, uh, the Roman government was pretty much like our own government. It was full of bureaucracy and full of paperwork. And everybody had to participate in the bureaucratic game. So, he needs to write documentation. That's when the next part of the story happens. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king, now this is Agrippa number two, uh, he is the one that was 17 years old when his father Agrippa I died at Caesarea because he had not properly given glory to God when the people said, oh, it's the voice of a man. It's not the voice of a man, it's the voice of a God. And God struck him dead. At that time, Emperor Claudius was in charge of the Roman Empire. And at first, he thought that he would simply promote Agrippa II up to king. But a lot of his advisors reminded him that Agrippa II was only 17 back at that time and that uh, the Jewish kingdom was a very important part of the Roman Middle East and that it, des- it needed somebody more seasoned than a 17-year-old. And eventually Claudius came to that same conclusion and gave Agrippa II other places, smaller places to kind of govern and put uh, Judea, Samaria, and Idumea uh, back under a Roman procurator. All right, so now we fast-forwarded quite a few years And uh, Agrippa II is about 30, I think, maybe 31, 32, something in that neighborhood. And he comes to to Caesarea in order to welcome this new prefect to the region. Now, it's interesting to me that there's some family politics going on here. The last guy, you remember, Festus, was married to to Agrippa II's little sister. But Agrippa II wasn't happy about that. He and his sister Bernike, who is also mentioned here in this passage, they were mad that their little sister divorced the husband she was married to in order to marry an uncircumcised Roman named Felix. And they wouldn't have anything to do, apparently, with um, Felix after that wedding occurred. So Agrippa II and Bernike are now happy that baby sister and her illicit husband have been shipped out of country. And they are ready to try to work with the new guy. So that's why they're here. 
Now when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernanke arrived at Caesarea, and they greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for the sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it is not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make their defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay. But on the next day, I took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood by or stood up, they brought no charge in this his case of such evils as I'd supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. And now we find out there was even more talk in that hearing about the gospel and the resurrection from the dead. And uh, Festus had heard all of that, and a little bit of that was beyond him because he's fresh to the country. This is new information. Verse 20, being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go up to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. So he explains pretty well the situation up to this point. And Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. Now, the one thing that you should know about Agrippa II before we close up today is that he is actually the Roman custodian of the Temple Mount. That is one of the things given to him uh, as power uh, by the Romans. And so he knows a lot about the Jewish faith and about Jewish traditions and, and procedures on the Temple Mount. So he is most certainly a person that can hear this case of Paul with significant depth of understanding.